Braden, uh, so you know Braden, where I your lap goes when you stand up? Uh, goes away. Lapland. Oh, that's where the reindeer live. Damn it. I don't get it. He's just faster. He's I, just Even better. when I don't get it, he could say anything, and I'll assume that he just beat me to a punchline. What is that thing where they it's say, not, like... It's, it's, that's just a fact. Um, did, mm, uh, did anybody read uh, the new Star Trek thing? I did. Yep. I did. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Did anybody come into me? Oh, Stay out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Like, Braden, it's been so long. I'm so happy to it's see on my you. Long list, uh, if you know what I mean? No. It was really good. Mm. Do you keep a list on a on a long? Perfectly acceptable podcast episode seventy nine by the oh, Comics no. Place, and this is episode oh! eighty. You you are missing some time, buddy. <laughs> this is very similar to that one time that I said my fans because it shows that I only put Mary in the reality that I live. <laughs> Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode eighty eight times ten. The Ocho Dola. <laughs> So every Tuesday we get a bunch of comic books, bring them back to the shop, talk about them, uh, sort them, uh, have some jokes, go home and read them, come back the next day, sell them, and then we come up here into the old uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, our orbiting uh, satellite looking down on the comic sphere that we all uh, at time reside within. Um, Today we've had a police officer and us up here. That's true. He just comes up here to eat lunch sometimes. Ooh, is that a, is that a secret? Not anymore. I'm Jeff, and I just beat my first boss in Bloodborne today. I'm Django, and I don't remember that at all. I'm Roman, and I've 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 never beat a boss in anything. I'm, you can be Django right now. Yeah, I'm I'm Brett, <laughs> and I was gonna make that joke. Fuck! <laughs> Finally, stymie. So uh, let's bring it back around. Hey, I'm Jeff, and I'm quicker than Braden. I'm Braden. <laughs> Goodbye. It's been fun. <laughs> I'm Braden, and my name is Braden. Um, uh, today we're going to talk about okay. DC Nation number zero. We're also going to talk about Death or Glory number one, Avengers number one, Snagglepuss Chronicles number five, uh, Coda number one. Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Lost, number one, and Batman 46. What's the, well uh, what's the LGY on that there, Avengers? Um, LGY. The LGY? Is that legacy? 691. Okay, That's good. just the leg. That's the leg number. Gee. It's the leggy. The leggy. I wish it said LEG on there like it says on oh, everything else. Oh, my God. Why does it sell? Whoa. They just took a bunch of letters out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me introduce you to my friend Abbreviation, mm-hmm. or Aber, if you like. <laughs> that's not an abbreviation, that's an abomination. Oh. They have the same abbreviation. Which is the perfect segue into Hulk, yes. which we're not talking about. <laughs> um, DC Nation number zero, uh, the 25 cent issue that we ordered more of than we've ever ordered anything of in the entire store. Braden. It's only a quarter. It's only a quarter. Why are you waiting? How many more? Ten, 
Not 10 times. Eight times our highest number before? I bet our highest number is probably like 200. 200? So, so five, five times? Yeah. We, we got a thousand of these suckers. Yeah. Well, like 960-something now, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was just under a thousand. Uh, I was surprised at how many people were resisting it today. Yeah. Like, it's good comic and it's a quarter. It's three good short comics for a quarter. Maybe they're waiting for us to have to give them away. Wow. Yeah, sneaky. I'd say sneaky it's wide. one good comic for a quarter. Yeah. I felt weird and two charging people stories. more <laughs> for the bag and board I was putting it in, but sure. <laughs> so this is like three short stories, one with Batman by Tom King and Clay Mann and Jordy Belair, one with Superman by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Jose Luis, Luis, Luis? Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, he added that Luis in there. Uh, and Dexter Vines. And then uh, Justice League by Scott Snyder, James Tinian, IV, and Josh Williamson writing with George Jimenez and Alejandro Sanchez on he, Arts and Colors. He used to have that Luis in there back in the 80s. Did he? Yeah. Though I think for a while he dropped he it. He dropped it in the 90s when he was doing Dark Knight. So this mm-hmm. is setting the, Dark the groundwork for Batman and Catwoman getting married. Uh-huh. Four new Justice League teams slash titles. And, and Bendis' BMB. new BMV uh, MOS. Bendis has come. The comic. It's a I weird title. I don't agree with it. I haven't read the <laughs> Scott Snyder Justice League portion of it. I really liked the Tom King Joker yeah, stuff. That was that awesome. Was, that was very good. Again, I, well paced. Yeah. Tom King and, and nine <clears throat> panel grid. Nice personality for the Joker. Yeah. Everybody writes the Joker differently. And I really like. His type of insanity, his mm-hmm. like self satisfaction with jokes. Like at times, you do feel like he's genuine while he's talking to this person. And spoiler warning, everyone, he still kills the guy at the end anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kills the guy on his daughter's school letter. Mm. So I guess yeah. that's a question. So we've got the Joker, who's shown up at a person's house who he either knows or doesn't know that may or may not know Batman, and he's forcing the person who owns the house to sit at the door with him and wait for the mail because he's convinced an invitation for Batman and Catwoman's wedding is going to show up. Is there... And then does it show up? It no, doesn't. No, it does it not. Doesn't. It's a letter A letter that looks like an invitation shows up, but it turns out to be a letter about the guy's daughter being late to class or something. So, because yeah, this guy doesn't know Batman. So that bothered me for a minute. I thought we were going to get some sort of reveal that this guy had ties to Batman or ties to the Joker or ties to Catwoman or something. Maybe like Alfred's long lost son or whatever bullshit. But I think the Joker was just telling a joke mm-hmm. by showing up and leading this guy on and then killing him mm. for nothing. I, th- I think that's. I think that fits with Tom King's Joker. Yeah, yeah. it's because the Joker's the mad, the mad Titan. Oh no! I mean, he says this uh, thing. <laughs> I mean, he's the whole reason here. I love it. He's, spoilers. You're crossing I have not Roman. seen that movie yet. Okay. Well, you've heard of Thanos. <laughs> Thanos. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was the Joker. I didn't know Marvel had that. <laughs> oh well. well <laughs> They're well, both don't purple worry. and green. It's an awesome reveal. You'll love it. But I love Joker says he had to. He has to send it somewhere and sometime. And this is somewhere. This is sometime. That's his only reason. Yeah. I really like that story. Um, what do you guys think of the Superman one? I love this artwork, too. Clay Man. Yeah. I like the Superman one quite a bit. Uh, Perry talks like a teenager from the early 2000s in yeah. classic Brian Michael Bendis style. Yeah. He's for newspaper. He's got to stay hip. Yep. I, yeah. yeah. Thank he's, you, Braden. He's 10 years behind being hip. I thought that the character that they introduced was intriguing, and I, it's real easy to read. And I don't always find Superman comics real easy to read. So I like that. I did Thanks. definitely stall out on the Justice League comic. Oh, my usual problem with Bendis, besides dialogue, um, 
is his his and I'm not a slave to continuity, but his ignoring like current continuity. Yeah, where's, it, where is Lois? Has this been established? In, well, in the in the current Superman books up until Bendis, they just moved to Metropolis, left the farm, broke Jonathan's heart by leaving the farm so she could get back to her career as a journalist in the big city. And then this issue, first part of Bendis' story, she's leaving the Daily Planet. It's like, what the hell? Listen, this <laughs> Come is Bendis', on, Bendis. DC now. Fuck all that other shit. Yeah, yeah. It's also... I, I, we have yeah. this. This is a setup for yeah. a bigger universe. Like that Batman story is missing a lot of context if we haven't been reading it. And I don't know if this is fitting into his Man of Steel run or if this is fitting into his Superman run, which are, or his Action Comics run since he's doing three different things. Uh, what do you guys think of the Justice League bit? Didn't read it. I thought um, it was um, a nice way to get some like full spreads of each team, but like other than that, it wasn't really. Doing anything. This is what, like nine pages, and it took three people to write it? See, that's my. I like, I like the idea of Team Mystery and Team Wonder. Huge <laughs> reservation about Scott Snyder at this point. It's like you don't get a Scott Snyder book anymore, except for like metal. But like even those, there's a lot. Like you get mm-hmm. like Scott Snyder and Jimmy TIV and Joshua Williamson yeah. and this, or, and Steve Orlando. And it's just give me a book that actually feels like that writer. Yeah. It was a cute way to introduce DC's version of the Celestials. I saw Superman throwing Starro at Brainiac. Yeah, and I can't tell if Starro wants it. Or he's, it's on the, <laughs> he's on the team, right? Oh, he wants it. He's on the team. It's. I thought that was funny. That, so all I could think about when I saw that is, A, I don't think he has enough arms, and B... What's he going to do when he gets there? Well, no, he stopped, he stopped needing to be on your face to control you. Oh, yeah. And I think... Like, every time I see Starro now, I'm just going to be mad about that. Where, where the hell is Starro from? Is he, like, an Aquaman villain? He was or the a, first Justice League just, number four or something yeah, like that? Yeah, one of the first Justice League villains. Jesus, he's on the cover of Justice League of America number one. He's, he's the Star Conqueror. Hmm. It introduces the, the DC four cosmic energies, entropy, mystery, wonder, and wisdom. I like that. Huh. <laughs> My, I don't. To take it back to the Superman thing for a second, I don't mean to just shit on the dude's art, but... It, it it my big complaint. Well, a big thing about this Bendis coming over to DC that is upsetting to me is that they have put him right in just DC art people. Like Ivan Reese is doing his Superman yeah. book. Mm-hmm. This guy did this little one shot. Jim Lee did the other one. And like give us a David Mack or a Bendis anybody. is amazing <laughs> at finding and cultivating his own artists. That's the thing he's done his entire career. Like Rick Remender, he's amazing at it. You, what you've done is you've just put it in a context that makes him feel more like a house DC person. And I think both companies need to move away from house style, which I'll talk about more in this Avengers number one issue. Uh, for 25 cents, nine. Like, yeah. Yeah, for a quarter, this, this is a yeah. top-notch comic. I don't feel like evaluating it on the standpoint of a regular comic book. This is... I'm going to give a it a no, thumbs up. Yeah, no-brainer to me. I mean, well. yeah, it's- yeah, that, that Joker story is worth it alone. So. Yeah, I'll give the Joker story a 10. <laughs> I mean, even his tongue's purple. Like his lips. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like his hairstyle. I, I, the art. What else has Clay Man done? I like his art. It was inconsistent, though. Like, he looks like, he looks like several different facial references were used, and I really like the shot where he does look at him and he's got the insane face on, yeah. but he looks drastically different from picture to picture. 
maybe some kind of meta statement about the changing face of sanity. I like that idea. I mean, <laughs> probably <that>. not. But <laughs> <laughs> probably not, but pretty good. I like anybody who's going to choose to think about a thing that way instead. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up all around, I yeah. think. Um, listen. Do we need to give it numbers? Is that a re... Oh, I, I think that's a pretty... That's an exception. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No. I, I think numbers are important, but, like, that's three eight-page comics for 25 cents. It's I would give the Joker story a nine, I'd give the Superman story a seven, and I would give the Justice League story a five, maybe. I don't I think... I don't think numbers are important, yeah. um, but the spreadsheets well, are very does. important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, I can't remember if you bought this today or not. Or I wasn't here. No, I, I think we got him. Oh, we I got think him? we got him. Yeah. 25 Phil cents. Quarter. Sucker. Phil's going to get it. He loves classic DC Kirby stuff. He's checking in on whatever big DC things, 25 cents. I Yeah. Everybody needs his comment. Okay. Okay. You guys, we're all back together. We're here. We're in a hurry because we do want to make sure Braden gets plenty of sleep tonight. My yeah. belly itches. But, but I could really use a liver. If you guys could run across the country and just grab me one real quick. Okay. I wouldn't know how to do that except for today I read Death or Glory number one um. by Rick Remender and um, Duncan Figrito did cover no. B, and <laughs> cover C was James Heron, and all of those people are fantastic creators, and we're really happy to have all of them on the team, and the art, the main artist, was done by none other than a creator that we all love, Bengal, just one word, I could have stopped. <laughs> the whole time Jeff was talking, he was trying to find the credit for this comic. That was also... Last time I was on the podcast, I think. Was I it? Why don't they just put the credits on the first page or uh, something? It's it called is. graphic design, Jeff. I don't know if we've talked about this, but I am not a huge fan of everything Rick Remember does. <laughs> I like I like phrasing that as, I'm not a huge fan of every single thing he's done. I guess I should say he's very hit or miss for me. Is What is a hit? Fear Agent. I like Fear Agent. I didn't finish Fear Agent. For some reason, he always gets super deprioritized for me. I might still buy the comics and plan to go back to him, but he doesn't he doesn't pull me through his stories often. I don't dislike it. it I just fall off real easy. What I I'll like this. What I'll say about him is I actually prefer his Marvel work to his creator-owned work. I like this more than most of the first issues of his that I've read. And it was it's a big old issue, and it's a really... I don't know. I, I, I was pulled through. I was super sleepy, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, just like Bendis, I think Remender, more than anybody, is good at finding amazing artists for his books. Yeah. So he kind of, he was the first person I saw Jerome Opeña with. He was the first person I saw uh, Wes Craig with. He was the first person that I've ever seen Bengal with. He uh, He's done it over, like, Terry, or Trad, or fuck, you know, Moore, the guy who did Fear Agent in How? The Walking Dead. Anyway, Remender is so good at that. Uh, and he did it again here. And he, that's, he yeah. did it again here. Did it again. So this is a story, I think it's set a little ways in the future. Um, there might even be a date stamp, I don't know. Uh, but the, it's got a, a woman whose father is sick, and she's trying to get him a liver, and she's going on a road trip to do it. The bad guy in it. Uh, sticks liquid nitrogen in people's mouths and breaks it's, them apart. It's like it's like No Country for Old Men, but with liquid nitrogen. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, I love uh, it. What's that? What's the dude's name? Uh, sugar. sugar, sure. Anton Sugar. Anton Sugar. Is that the? Yeah, that mixed with Mister Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's got beautiful art. The characters are solid. 
the action scenes are really good. Like even in my super sleepy state, post three drinks at a Mark Lanigan show, I was able to follow the action and the storyline, and yeah, good good comic. And it just took a turn that I, I would not have expected it to take. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't follow some of the car shenanigans, but that's probably my fault. I really hope that, so that the turn, spoilers, by the way, by the way, we're going to have spoilers in this podcast. Uh, the turn that it took is that not, instead of smuggling drugs, these guys are smuggling people. I hope it doesn't get super preachy about human trafficking because yeah. um, I think I think that's a cool a cool part of the story and I like it when real life things are addressed in a comic. Sometimes it feels a little bit heavy handed, so fingers crossed this this won't be this won't be beating us up about it. So um, I actually was really impressed, particularly by the car shenanigans. Um, because it felt to me like the artist had a really clear map of the environment. Mm-hmm. And when the panels shifted, I was always able to track where they were on the small amount of road that we had seen. Um, also, like, camera angles. Like, the angles of all of these shots, whether it's the car or the person running or just, like, her standing in the garage. Um, really impressive angles with which the images are are being told from in, in a way that like Kirby is impressive with angles. Uh, the double page spread of her like leaving the garage with the car is just the way that the car is huge in the back and gets smaller and you're looking up at the, from the floor of this room. Just super cinematic. Oh yeah, yeah. that car is really cool. <clears throat> yeah, just really like and the art is sexy but comical. She's badass and vulnerable. Um, the facial expressions are very like there's a very varied. I really, yeah, I really liked it. I was really surprised because I didn't really think I would dig this because I don't particularly dig Remender. Um, when you guys talked about him earlier, I was trying to remember. I was trying to think what have I really liked of Did his. Did you read Captain Dingleberry? Because he wrote that. I remember that title. I never read it. It's I got the issues if yeah. you want to borrow Okay, them. good. I was but you won't for much longer, Django. Okay, I was going to ask. I'm keeping those. Okay. <laughs> of course. Yeah, there was so much very well done character development. Nobody was um, one-dimensional in this. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm? Oh, Braden's got a one-dimensional we character. We haven't had that much dimension yet. It's only the first issue. <laughs> I like the complex relationship between her and this adoptive father of hers. The Winston guy? Or yeah, or whatever the old guy is that she wants to protect. Yeah, Santa Claus? Um, I really yeah. liked that the female protagonist has a shitty previous relationship that you can tell there's still some amount of like loyalty or connection to while also really disliking, yeah. but it shows how people can grow apart and grow from being close to somebody to then viewing them as, as a you know, an antagonist in your life, and that's like a really human thing. And more than anything, I think it's really human with people that you're close to. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a unique human dynamic that I don't think is for me put out there that that subtly, but also that holistically. Like they're antagonistic, but they haven't totally lost trust or or some sort of connection. Just like I have a really hard time not still feeling the love that I have even for the people that have totally betrayed me that I hate. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a thing. Well, I'm ready to give this a number. Yeah, me too. 
Should we make Braden do it first? Yep. Uh, six. So I'll probably check out the next one, but I'm not. I'm not sold. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Uh, that's a high number for a a book by this guy for me. I'm going to give it an eight point five. Oof. I really like the art, mm-hmm. and I really liked this book. And I actually think that his writing for me might work a little bit better with a female protagonist because it's always a male protagonist, mm. but he also has a, a lot of self-loathing put into his characters. And I'm more interested in, I think, how that presents itself in a female protagonist than in a male because I end up always sort of identifying with those characters but then being angry at how angsty or self-loathing they are. Roman? I'll give it a seven. All right. So if we were to step over into the Marvel corner... Would you have anything on your mind? Like, did they have a big release this week? Mm, uh, they had uh, a fat one. Just oh. all right. So, Death and Glory was like nine hundred pages. Avengers number one is like nine hundred pages. Uh, well, they're both five dollars, so that tracks. Sure, sure. I, I'm not really complaining. They're just really long comics. Uh, this one is by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Mark Morales inked it, and David Curiel colored it. What did you guys like about this? So it's uh, it, like it kind of picks up where Legacy left off with the Avengers back then, a million years ago. What I liked about it was the overall story idea. I love Celestials. They're like a classic Kirby thing. I love the idea of a bunch of dead Celestials falling to Earth and the Mm -hmm. horrific mystery presented there. I like the idea of a really old Avengers team having dealt with a host of Celestials in the past and them possibly being buried in the Earth or something. I like the idea that we need to reestablish the Avengers as a team because it's been like a year and a half or two years at least since we've had a decent Avengers book. So What about No Surrenders? Exactly. I think that it's <laughs> awesome that uh, that people like, you know, Black Panther and Doctor Strange were in the Earth and they're like, we should call the Avengers. And like, there's no Avengers anymore, man. Like, it's, we like, Captain America is a fucking Hydra agent. And I like a post-Avengers world and having a huge thing where we need to re, like, get the band back together. Mm-hmm. That seems like a better way of going about this than just sort of being like, all right, it's a new Avengers number one and this is the team. You know, it's sort of like, Things have fallen apart because we've been putting shitty books out. Yeah. I like the idea that the Celestials... Well, first of all, the Celestials looked awesome. Uh, I like the idea that we get to see who can beat Celestials. And Roman might have to chime in here. Are are, are these guys that are kicking the, the Celestials' asses and killing them, are they... The fifth host? The, the final host? The are final they host? canon from anywhere else? No, this is... These are brand all new, all different celestials. Okay, these, let's not. As far as I know, they're legacy. all new, all different. They're again. legacy celestials. That was oh, okay. okay. the per- previous reboot. Uh, I really liked that, and I, I liked that we get to see Agamotto himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agamotto was the only thing I liked about the one million years ago. Yeah. I guess the first thing that bothered me was that on page one it says Earth a million years ago, and we've got two, four, seven very modern looking characters. Like, none of those look old or like they belonged a million years ago. And also, why do people look like people a million years ago? Were there people a million years ago? 
Sure. Sure. Oh. I don't know, man. Well, Braden and I are Bible boys. So yeah. <laughs> 4,000 years ago, mm-hmm. people started. Yeah. So like a million years ago, fuck it. They can be wearing whatever they want because that's all fiction to us. We're Bible boys. They just looked really modern to me. Hey, yeah. Braden, high five. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't. I mean, Bibles. Odin and Phoenix don't count, but I didn't understand how come they refer to like this star brand as, as a caveman. Well, if he's a caveman, why does that plaque panther and this iron fist, why do they all look like modern people, but... There's yeah. also cavemen at this time. But that was that felt sloppy to me. I gotta admit, my favorite thing about the primordial Avengers is that Ghost Rider is riding a flaming woolly mammoth. That's yeah, awesome. That's very good. <laughs> woolly mammoths and people didn't exist at the same time. Well, he's not a people. He's a Zarathos demon. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my complaint about it is that same Superman complaint. I really don't like Ed McGinnis's art. It's just yeah. absolutely fine. But it looks like '90s. Yeah, it looks like it we're just ten years ago, and it is yeah. exactly the phrase in my head was like, "This looks like a comic from ten years ago." Yeah, everybody's kind of stocky, super muscular. Yeah, all I could think about was his Hulk. Red, yeah, his yeah. Hulk, Red and Hulk. Like, yeah. why is he on this book? Like, he hasn't done an, like a big book in years. I think maybe he's on it because he draws awesome celestials and mediocre everything you know else. Draws <laughs> well, you have to pay a nine-year-old. The, you have to pay the artists <laughs> more, and they have to do like more work. It's yeah. Um, I I didn't read this whole issue because I read the preview that was online uh, a couple days ago, and that was just these three pages of Earth now. Ugh. And with, I. With- Tony drinking a Shirley Temple? Yeah, and I, I, I didn't like that because it felt very much like three white guys just uh, talking about how much they should be in charge because it feels right. Yeah, tradition. Like, okay, it feels like I kind of felt like Marvel was like coming back like hat in hand. So all the like the old crotchety readers who've been like, oh, why is Cap and why is Thor a woman? Well, uh, there's. There's actually... But this is the yeah. guy that wrote <clears throat> Thor. I know, yeah. And this is also... These are the guys. Like, they are the beginning of the Avengers. The, there's, yeah. a, there's a flashback head picture of one of the covers of the... What is this? Co- issue four or something like that mm-hmm. of the Avengers. So, like it or not, these guys are kind of the core founding Avengers. Yeah, I think he had to put a lot in here to get things set up, but... But I do like that setup. Like you said, I love the idea of dead celestials falling to Earth. Um, Hundreds of them. Yeah. I mean, there must be thousands of people being killed all over the place. That's what I thought, too. There are <laughs> thousands of dead people from this one yeah, celestial. Yeah, look at this city, whatever city that is. Do, I, I mean, they, that one landed in the Thames, destroyed London here. Bridge. Although, like, yeah, yeah it happens right there. Well, Carol works very, very hard to cause this celestial to fall on the beach uh-huh. and not in yeah. the city. So, like... The only stupid of. swimming people die. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Idiots. It's cold. Uh, eight. 7.5, 8. I got to pick one, Braden. Uh, I give it a 7.5. I don't particularly care for the art. I do really like this shot of Tony with his face open in the armor, and it looks like he's like it's very close to his skin, and he's probably kind of uncomfortable. And I like an Iron Man that is actually feels like a guy in a suit of armor and yeah. imagining the pain that would go with that. And I like and Steve pulling his mask on next yeah, to him. That looks yeah. cool. That solid gold rectangle of a chin. Yep. Exactly. I, re- I really like the Black Panther's Doctor Strange stuff in the center of the earth. Yep. Yeah, that, that felt like aliens to me. I'm going to give this oh, a yeah. six and a half, um, but I'm going to bump it up to a seven and a half because of the art. No, because <laughs> of the the timing. Like I think I think this is a 
this is a good comic for right now. Well executed. It's absolutely not a Django comic, even though it's Jason Aaron. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think this is a good move and, and a solid a solid comic book comic book. Uh, I will give it. I'll give it a seven. I mean, yeah, it was you know. I'll read the next one. I like these characters. This issue didn't quite thrill me, but you know, had some cool bits. So, I I didn't read the whole thing. Um, I I probably will eventually, but I don't I don't think I've got the the same amount of faith in Jason Aaron as everyone else does. He's got there's Fair a enough, good tiny little She-Hulk thing that's in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that he's doing a good job of balancing those characters out. But um, Brayden, a person no. that you do have some faith in. Uh, yeah, Mark Russell. He wrote uh, he wrote the Flintstones, and he's writing XSH Left. Colon the Snagglepuss Chronicles, and it's really really good. It's uh, I know I know everyone here has at least like started it, but it's kind of been hard to keep up with. But it's really good, and it's not as like uh, clever. There's not like a million puns in every issue like there was in the Flintstones. So, but like the balance it strikes in the less uh, humor stuff, it goes. He goes twice as hard on like the emotional stuff, which I am really enjoying. And this issue has a pretty big moment that I won't spoil, but it was a pretty pretty gut wrenching moment. And Roman, are you going to be reading this? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. I would love to be spoiled. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Will you spoil me later? Maybe. You always spoil. It me. might not even be a spoiler for me because I don't. I don't get a lot like. Colette knows all these references. I don't get all the references in this to the famous playwrights. Yeah, it'll be a, it's a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mark has uh, written Snagglepuss in a really compelling way. Like he's a super like smart, intelligent, snarky guy, but he's also like gets pretty conflicted on things and doesn't always know what to do. And he makes a pretty hard choice in this issue. Kind of gets upended, but and like even even the Gigi Allen uh, investigator woman who's after him is got some weird nuance of her own that I wouldn't have expected based on her appearance in the first like issue or two. And it's, it's really interesting and hard to read, but Oh man, does Augie doggy get like beat to death? It's, it's, it's very good. Um, I, I, I wish more people read it, but it's, I don't think it's going to hit quite the same crowd as, the Flintstones, because yeah. it's not like there's not a lot of goofy stuff to kind of fall back on like that one did, and but yeah, no, it's 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 super compelling, interesting, tragic stuff from like fifties McCarthyism. Yeah. That's always really interesting for me to look at, and I think very uh, poignant in today's world. But yeah, no, this I would give this definitely like a nine out of ten. Yeah, nine to ten. It's uh, Mike, Mark Russell, and Mike Vihan on art. Um, Speaking of the ending of things, Coda means like the end or after at the end. That so yeah, that that segues, cool. that tracks. Yeah, I I didn't read this. <laughs> you didn't read it. Neither uh, you read it. No, I, 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 I you son of a bitch. You gave me an eighty-page comic to read, and then you didn't goddamn read it yourself. I, got I read like, four pages in, and I was like, this is not for me. I got like halfway through. Jeez. Um, Hey, yeah. this was by the same guy that wrote I, your I book of the year last year. I worked hard to before the podcast. What Roman said. <laughs> book of the year. Django's book of the year last year this I, guy wrote. I have no recollection of that. Hey, was it good? 
It was good. And actually, he, so he year? sets up... The thing that I really liked about Godshaper, which is what you're hmm. calling my book of the year, you whatever that, that is. in the podcast. Yeah, that whatever. Your, this I, is my, <laughs> it's Simon Spurrier. He's I, you know what? I say this stuff, and then I purge it. I don't have enough enough RAM to keep this shit oh, I know. in the front of my brain, <laughs> Jeff. So we upload it. Uh, so the cloud. <laughs> the Django cloud. Amazon <laughs> S3 servers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Is your cloud spelled with a silent D? The cloud. Yeah. It's not silent that's, at all. Oh, okay. That's Chris Cloud. <laughs> Chris Cloud. <laughs> Chris the Cloud. Shout out Chris Cloud. He's going to listen to the podcast. Chris Cloud. <laughs> it's not Cloud? We need to make sure Chris listens to this episode. The is silent. Yeah. Um, so... That was really good. That was really. <laughs> that was that really took good. a while for it. Just, was I was. Really thought, I thought you meant the cloud, but no, it was cloud. No, I think cloud. I was actually thinking of uh, Clayton Cowles, but um, see, Chris Cloud used to work here. Yeah, no, and he's uh, before you he's, ever came. He's here, got actually. a pull quote on Kira's book that I've got next to my table, so I see his name a lot. <laughs> anyway, the thing that I liked about God Shaper, the thing that I liked about God Shaper was that he created this world, just kind of threw you into it, and as the characters are on the run, you're learning about their. Um, their religious beliefs or lack thereof. You're learning about their social structure. You're learning about their economy and what they use for money and how how this whole how, how all these people live. A lot of showing. He does telling. the same thing in this. He did the same thing, I think, in Spire too. Wasn't that him? I, what, what was Spire maybe. about? Is that another post something? It looked a lot. It, like it looked this a lot book. like this, except with tall buildings instead I'm, of. Dead I've noticed lately he's been doing a lot of posts, like not post-apocalypse, but like Godshaper was post-electricity. Yeah. Um, he did Angelic recently, which was like post-humans, and this is like post-magic in a fantasy world. Yeah. So this this fun. follows a dude in a world where there are like, world. monsters and magic and mermaids in big bathtubs and paladins and giants. It's It's very fantastical. But it feels a little more modern than just a straight-up fantasy. Their currency seems to be this green magical elixir that lets you do magic things. This guy is on he's, hes on a quest to find his... Do we know exactly what she is, Roman? His wife. His wife, wife wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems like maybe he's getting sidetracked a whole lot. And he's just kind of a scammer... Like he's he's playing tricks on everybody and doing some some crazy stuff. There's elves that they call yelves, and most of them are gone. And I think this is a really good comic. It's really dense. It's not my favorite kind of setting, and I don't like the art a whole lot. Although it's, I guess the, my complaint about the art in this is similar to my complaint about the art in Low. So I think a lot of people are going to like it, but it's a <laughs> little bit muddy to me. And I have to study the page to really figure out what's going on. A lot of that in this book could be because of the colors, I, I think. totally agree. Um, um, I think this is really, really good. I, I think I'm not appreciating it to its fullest, mostly because of the art. But I think that the writing in this is amazing. Mm -hmm. I also think that he's found a formula that he's just kind of riding with Spire and then like Godshaper those. and then Coda. I don't know. I, I would love to see this illustrated by anybody else. It would probably get a 9 or a 10 despite being uh, a fantasy comic, which usually I, – I usually don't even try a fantasy comic. Seven to Eternity 
was a really hard sell to me, even though the art and the colors mm -hmm. are amazing. And I, I trust Rick Remender to do something I'll like at least the first issue of usually, <laughs> right? I, I yeah. would recommend it. It's well written. It's it's a lot more intricate, like the whole that that juice, the green juice. It's also a magic steroid because mm -hmm. it's, it's the, they give it to like the the mounts or whatever, and they become these monstrous, mm -hmm. super fast it's horses like, for a little while. It's called like Acker or something. Yeah, Acker. Axiom. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me when a 40-page issue is something I really appreciate, and when it's something I don't want. And in mm -hmm. this particular yeah. book, it was I. I looked at the page count, the density, and the, like what I'd gotten out of four or six years. I was like, I just don't want to go to this work for it. If it had been a 20-page comic, I probably would have finished it. I would read it as – I would read it for the words rather than the pictures. And I, I, I think you would get something out of it. Cool. I'll, I'll yeah. read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. Yeah, and you're right. It's the coloring. It's muddy is the perfect word for it. That makes it hard. It's some, such a similar palette. Yeah, and, and some of the – like I love the, pen, the pentacorn. The, his mm -hmm. his yeah. monster unicorn that has like penta. What is that? Like six five, five. five horns? Because it's just <laughs> you this. Know, you savage. don't want a sexicorn, Roman. <laughs> it's just a this hexicorn now. Septicorn. That's septicorn. Seven. Yeah. And hexicorn would be six. Sexicorn. <laughs> I would never want. Anyway, a it's a it's a savage beast. <laughs> oh my corn! <laughs> <laughs> it's a savage multi-horned unicorn that also apparently curses. In a mm -hmm. language that they all, everyone can understand, because everybody, it's always like your your horses, <laughs> your horses foul mouth, <laughs> terrorizing everyone outside. <laughs> uh, what do you guys give it for scores? I'm gonna uh, give it a seven. I would, I, I think I would give it a nine if it was a, if I liked the colors. I, I think it's, I think it's two points away because of the colors. Yeah, it's it's yeah. really hard to make out. Yeah, I mean, there's one beautiful panel. Top of this page with this mm -hmm. big stupid giant in the distance, and, and that's a, a gorgeous good. page. Yeah, and that's beautiful. There's just no saturation to it. I guess yeah. it's it's it all looks like Seaside, Florida, which is where they filmed the Truman <laughs> Show. God, I love oh. that movie. <laughs> but you don't like the colors in a comic hmm. about the fantasy. Yeah, I, that's, I don't know. I got nothing. No, no, <laughs> I have never thought about the colors of the Truman Show. But you totally just made me think that that's all like a bowl of. Uh, you know, it's Easter eggs. Honey bunch of honey bunches of oats. Like it's just <laughs> just a bunch of different things that look the same, <laughs> except for their shape. I like the idea that this uh, the beginning this dragon carcass, since dragons are immortal, apparently, it's all desiccated and it's just like still talking and screaming and demanding things. But you know, it has no body or muscles or anything left, so it's just immortally sitting there complaining. And it's just an asshole that wants him to scratch his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how can he even feel it? As I was trying to give it, Roman. Yeah. Same as you. I mean, if I'd give it two more points, if it was easier to, to look at. So, yeah, seven, maybe a 7.5. I mean, I'll probably read the next one. Hopefully I'll have more time to read it, so maybe that'll affect things. So that's Simon Spurrier writing it, illustrated by Matthias Bergara, and color... Assists by Michael Doig. So I guess it's partly the Probably the, the illustrator and uh, the, the artist and the colorist are the same guy for a good portion of it. Well, some colors and art that I really did like this week were in Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Loss Number One. Um, this was written by Charles Soule, who actually did the sort of start off issue Hunt for Wolverine that we actually all pretty much dug last yeah. week. Although I wasn't on the podcast, so I, I wasn't. Yeah, I we did. Yet. And he's the regular Daredevil writer. So he's the regular everything. Writer, I was Roman. hesitant to start reading this. Roman liked it, and Charles Soule is somebody that 
I think that for some reason I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder when he started writing because kind of almost in the same way that they did with Tom King, right out of the gate they gave him a whole bunch of books and I had not yet read a really good book by him that I liked that seemed to warrant the fact that he had five books coming out. And then the big one he did was The Death of Wolverine. And that was not very good. Um, but I started reading this and the first page from the art and the writing is phenomenal. It's Daredevil talking like a noir crime story, swinging through the green, yellow sunset of a city at night. And like, this book made me realize that I am such a sucker for like cities at night slash sunset. I'm, I love it, especially if you're up high in the buildings. Um, gosh, this is not a book that I would assume that I liked, but it's a spinoff of this Hunt for Wolverine thing. They're doing four separate series that are each four issues long, and they're both each supposed to be, uh, all four are supposed to be a different genre. So this is like the noir mystery one. I'm rubbing my noir off on you. Yeah. No, I like <laughs> this, I really liked. Um, basically, Daredevil uh, finds and recruits this inhuman who I'd never heard of, but it makes sense because Charles Soule has been writing kind of the head of the Inhuman stuff for a while. So I think this is probably a character he created or something. Um, and then he, they realize they need one more person, so they go and recruit Misty Knight. And there is this scene where Daredevil and this Inhuman dude who has been ostracized by the Inhuman community, no, by the, poli the police force because he can see things with these Inhuman eyes. That So he got ostracized from the cops. So he and Daredevil go and recruit Misty Knight, the Daredevil cop awesome lady uh street cop lady i actually don't know who that is i'm not gonna pretend. she's got a metal arm she's got a metal arm she's been in a lot of stuff um everybody's got metal arms these days but like daredevil people. and the cop walk in and daredevil starts talking to her and she's like hey like what are you doing here i don't want to be talking to you and then he just sort of like pieces out and the inhuman cop starts talking to her and she's like i'm not gonna do this job like whatever you're wanting and he's and he's like i don't know he just sort of like starts saying like well do you want to talk about it and she's like i don't know you and he's like that might be cool, like, maybe just one retired cop to the other. Like, do you want to talk about your shit? And the way that we're understanding this scene is through Daredevil, who is outside, and he hears it because he can't help it. He's like, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but I hear this at this point. And then it goes to the point where she's like, all right, I'll start talking to you. And then the Daredevil over, like, monologue over that is basically him saying, like, well, I didn't listen because it wasn't my place to listen, but I stood outside for a while, and whatever they talked about got her to team up with us. And that was the real selling point to me, was just the idea of this, like, retired cop in a bar with this other retired cop who have both had so much damage and defeat from that system, then just finding comfort and connection by being willing to talk to one another. Um... And that's kind of a crime noir trope, right? Where, like, somebody goes into a room and convinces somebody, and you never necessarily know what actually happened in that room, but the bottom line is they're on the team now. Yeah. Um, so this is the Daredevil, just one, one panel of dialogue, which I really like, and he says, I try not to eavesdrop. I really do. But with my powers, it's hard. You hear things whether you want to or not. I heard everything Frank and Misty said, right up until she started to tell him what happened to her. That wasn't my story to hear. I focused on a mariachi band down in the subway station a few blocks up. Let that drown her out. Whatever Misty said, whatever Frank said, it wasn't my business, but it worked. And, like, I, I'm not giving Charles Soule enough credit is what this may, issue made me realize, is mm. his ability to write a noir daredevil and also 
the way he just puts lawyer shit in there because he's a lawyer. <laughs> At one point, Daredevil just like, well, yeah, I don't usually like to write things down because that's an invitation to have shit come and bite you. I try to store it in my head. And you're just like, oh, that makes like, it's a good book. It's, yeah. I, I'm impressed. So yeah. thank you, Roman. I, no, you're welcome. I really like his, his Daredevil book. Um, and I really like this Frank McGee. I don't read the Inhuman comics, so I wasn't familiar with him either. But just his little exchange right before the part you read where he's just talking to Misty and she says, I don't know you. And he says, well, maybe that's why you can talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, huh, okay, yeah. (laughs) So are any of us familiar enough with what's going on with Misty Knight to know what they talked about, even though Daredevil does Yeah, I'm not sure. Or is it just a mystery? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's referring to something that's happened that we know about or something new he's going to introduce. Black Panther and the crew, but like nothing major, I don't remember. Yeah, before that, you know, she was introduced in the Power Man and Iron Fist book or maybe Jim Power Man before that because she was a briefly a love interest to his and then became love interest of, of Iron Fist. I guess that, like to me she seems like Falcon. a cop who's no longer a cop. Right. And yeah. so whatever happened Something there. Happened. But it doesn't really matter. Though, though, she hasn't been a cop for a while. Right. I, no, I guess not. Though in the Defenders comic by Bendis, she was still a cop. Oh. oh. Like a couple months ago. Continuity. <laughs> well, it's because she was a cop in the Defenders show. I'm going to give that issue an 8.5, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely give this an 8.5. Heavens to Betsy. Even got this cool cover, which I thought was a reference to Bullseye. It's not. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It's <laughs> just radar sense. Um, oh, is this a... I hit myself in the face with the comic. Roman, is this a buckshot week? It's a buckshot Wait, week, buckshots? all right. Um, I would say before we get into the buckshots, though, uh, guys, uh-huh. we had a bunch of like a bunch of new people in the last like week and a half come in and talk about listening to the podcast, and that oh. is super awesome. Nice. So if you've listened or if you haven't listened, um, man, let us know. That's awesome. We really appreciate it. Call in, please. We would love to hear from you. We don't know what the fuck we're doing, and if you can <laughs> aid in direction, that's cool. I think. I feel like we need to find, and you might know this better, Jeff, than anybody else, but I think it'd be nice to find an episode that we can point people to to say, like, hey, you like you like shopping at the store, you like comics, you like this, you like that. Try episode X. You want to make a sample. Let's record that one while Justin's here in the next couple of days. Let's get a big old round-robin oh. podcast and talk about some generic big po- comic book things, and that can be a sample platter. Good call. Good call. But on top of good calls, tell your friends, oh, that was a terrible segue. Try it again. Do it again. On the topic of calls, you should call us. Uh, <laughs> 1-663-733. No, no, Fuck. no. I told <laughs> you because you have been nailing it lately. 1-619-663-7336. Oh, yeah. Felon good. Uh, you can call us. You can leave a message. You can call and leave like seven messages and then... Tell us which one you want us to use because yeah. we don't have to use the one where you get all mush mouthed and marble mouthed and uh, I'm out of M word mouths. Hey, we're those marble guys mouth. at the comic shop that you mouth. are guys and girls. We're those, those folks at the comic shop that you know and are probably more anxious than you. So we're on on your side. You could um, write a note and slip it to us when you're buying your books, or even Phil. write a note and slip it under the door when we're closed. Jim yeah. 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 Lee. Jim Lee. Jim Lee. Jim Lee. Um, also, big thanks to Nick Waite for letting us use his music for our yeah. theme song. Yep. That's great. And it's become a big portion of who the show is. So thank you 
for all of that. Any other house cleaning before we get Have to you the ever tried shots? to sing along with that song? I am Jeff and I'm sitting with my comic buds. Braden's always to my right and he's full of puns. Django smells like dust and he's a big old turd. <laughs> Romans an encyclopedia like a little owl bird. I don't know. So you have. Yeah, I mean, I sing along to it all the time. I think we need to get some lyrics to that song. <laughs> we just got them. I do think we just got them. Um, Wait a somebody, minute, I like those lyrics. A customer at our store, Nick Wankowski, just texted me who got out of Avengers Infinity War, and he just texted me, best movie of the year. Whoa. So. Wow. wow. We're getting some fans. Um, so we did just record an Infinity War podcast. It's just like a little 25-minute thing with Roman and Django and I talking about our thoughts about the movie. Uh, that should be up around the same day that this one's up, too. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, buck shots. Buck shot. Boys, gotta get Braden to bed. Mm. Roman, you're not going first, cause Django's <laughs> going first. Yeah, Django's going in just a second. I was in stopwatch mode. Now you're going. All right. So, uh, Walking Dead number. Hang on. <laughs> I'm sorry I said all right again. Everybody, I edited the podcast last week, and I realized I say all right a lot. Anyway, Walking Dead, number 179. Shit! I already ate 13 (laughs) of my own seconds. Walking Dead, number 179, uh, follows... It's mostly a Michonne story. Uh, Spoiler alert, it boils down to her staying behind and giving up her sword, handing Eugene the sword to bring back to Rick. And they are bringing the people from this new town back to meet Rick. The new people are kind of dicks, and... I don't think they're going to try to take over, but they might just try to swing their dicks around around Rick, and I, that never goes well for anybody but Rick. Uh, I also read Action Comics Special Number 1 by Dan Jurgens, Mark Russell, and... Oh, what is his name? Max Landis. Uh, the Dan Jurgens story was pretty good. Pretty good. I liked... Superman's just a good guy. He doesn't tell Lex Luthor that old, old, old Lex Luthor came back and uh, tried to kill him. Yeah, Superman's a good guy. Lex Luthor's a big old butthole. Mark Russell sets up all these jokes. It's It's the presidential thing that comedians get in trouble for. Mark Russell is is an amazing writer. Very topical and and classic at the same time, I guess. Good stopping point. Sorry, Max Landis. He's sorry. He got busted for being a creep not too long ago. He did. And then he wrote a medium okay Superman story. Uh, I'm going to give that Walking Dead a seven and a half. It's kind of a a bridge issue. And we've got one issue left in the story. Curious about that. I'm going to give the Action Comics special a seven. I only picked this up because of Tom Rock. Mark Russell. Mark Russell. Tom King, Mark Russell, Max Landis. Uh, but, yeah, I like Mark Russell a lot, so I picked it up. I wanted to see what he did. He didn't disappoint, and the rest of it was also pretty good. Even the Max Landis story is pretty good. Uh, Jeff, you got a minute. I have a question, question about oh, the – Oh, oh, Question, Roman. About the Mark Russell story. You just story. ate one second of Jeff's time. You can well, have all my seconds, buddy. <laughs> um, the end of the, the Mark Russell story. So Lex is going to run for president. Was was he already? Do you remember was when Mark he, was talking to us and he was saying what he really wanted to do was write Superman and he's got a story that he's working on. Well, I'm just wondering in the New Fifty Two or now Rebirth was Lex president before or did that not happen? I felt like this was maybe a flashback to when Lex was president. Oh. Although 
I don't I don't think it explicitly says either way. This I mean it's it's a an action comic special which I think was kind of to tie into issue 1000, so I don't think it has to be modern oh, current okay. Superman. Yeah. That's that's what I got out of it. That's all right. Yeah, that was my vibe too. The jokes were funny. They the yeah. jokes oh, for yeah. the that was the only one I read, the Mark Russell one, and they were funny. Yeah, yeah. it was the correspondence dinner, right? Yeah. yeah. Read the Jurgen. You read the end of the Jurgen. I, I read the second half and I actually really liked it. That yeah. The time travel stuff there. We just keep getting Superman doing good things. Even in in, in the other one where the guy has the jetpack and he's like he robbed the bank and Superman catches him and he's like, Hey, you robbed a bank and the guy says, Well, I built this jetpack so I wouldn't hurt anybody when I was robbing the bank. And Superman says, well, I'm going to send you to the cops. I'm going to put this in a locker. And when you get out of jail, I think you should take this jetpack, patent it, and make a bunch of money. Because you obviously messed up and you need to be punished. But also, Everybody you're a deserves genius. a second chance. <laughs> yeah, like... Everybody deserves a jetpack. That's true. That's really <laughs> what Superman said. It's 28. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. The Rebirth by Hickman, Jonathan Hickman, and Dustin Weaver. This is a big, fat issue that came out this week. It collects issues one through four or issues seven, 11, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, seven through 11 of S.H.I.E.L.D. This originally came out in 2010 and 2011, and it was a 12-issue maxi-series that Hickman was going to be writing about an alternate history of the entire Marvel Universe that involves uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Nikola Tesla, um, Sir Isaac Newton, Michelangelo, and all these people being the people that created S.H.I.E.L.D. This is fucking good. This is probably one of my two or three favorite Hickman pieces of work that he's done. It is incredible. There are moments in here that maximize what comic books can do. They also highlight the shortcomings of comic books. Uh, the art by Dustin Weaver is amazing, but basically we've been waiting seven years to get these final two issues, and this four-issue oversized thing was put out because we're finally getting issues five and six of the second half of this big series, which in the last month we've seen being seeded into other Marvel books because I do think that they're going to try and retroactively change the overall continuity of the Marvel Universe to embed this Hickman Shield story into it. Um, wow. I think that it didn't get a lot of readers, and then they realized, like, hey, we want to do this stuff, this stuff, this, and Hickman was like, this story I was writing, this sucks, because I want to talk about this book. And I'm going down. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeffrey, did you read Iron Man 699? I did. That's, okay, good. Yeah. Because um, I didn't know that was gonna—that was more of a thing than it wasn't just that comic. I don't think I should have tried to do that in a buckshot round, but uh, this was very good. You're making me hey, buy I, two extra comics this week. It was. Can I jump on here, or do I need to read the old ones? You can jump on here. You should read the first paperback, which is out and is amazing. Um, it is. I read this right after trying to read Coda. And I went from reading a thing that I don't like to reading what is my favorite type of comic book. And in the second issue of this, you get <coughs> Sir Isaac Newton and Michelangelo distilling their entire creative essences down to an immoral motivation in trying to persuade this person to join one of their two sides. And it is very clearly Jonathan Hickman having a conversation with the two voices in his personality, the person who's trying to be a good person and the person who is super intelligent and knows things. And you said Leonardo DiCaprio's in it? Yeah, and it's right before he had filmed Romeo and Juliet, so he's in a much more like emotionally vulnerable <laughs> stage. Um, it, he hasn't it, got his Oscar yet, though. 
I don't know. I, I I could do an entire podcast on it, so it was stupid to try and put it in a buckshot. But it, it really is uh, so, so, so cool. I guess why I wanted to talk about it is that comic books are... What I like about comic books is when it feels like I'm able to see a person's brain. And it's not like... I don't really like fantasy because it's really hard for me to create metaphorical extrapolations on what an elf or an orc is or a monster is because it's right there. It's a monster. It's right in front of you. It seems like that's what that is to me. To me, I my favorite things are things that's like, what does he mean by that? This could be this. This could be this. This could be this. And it feels like to me... This is a comic book that made me use way more of my brain. So, 10. Like, fucking A, and I'm sorry for using three buckshots to talk about it, but uh, this was my favorite thing I read this week by far, and I am so excited for there to be more issues of it, and I cannot wait to reread that paperback, and if anybody likes Jonathan Hickman's uh, creator-owned work, his Marvel work is just as good, and in some cases, or a lot of cases, better. Um, I think that his Marvel stuff I like pretty much on the whole, better than his creator-owned stuff. So, and and this is really an important part of that. Him and Remender. Yeah. Thanks for letting me be real self-indulgent with that. I I was really excited about it. I'm this. scared to read that yeah. now. I'm excited to it is, read the graphic novel and this and the next two issues. It is so, fu- it is so amazing when a comic book makes me open up my phone and Google the Jewish Kabbalah. Like, fuck. Fair enough. That's why I want to read comics. Brayden, yeah. do you want to go now? Yeah, you got yeah. nine and a half minutes. Go. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay. Did you start? I mean, I'm gonna give you extra seconds. Just a second. I'm gonna restart it because I feel bad that about was a what bad I start just you did. <laughs> uh, Bloodborne number three. This book is great. Um, I didn't like the second one as much as the first, but I like this one a lot more than the second. It's the hunter and this kid traveling these horrible, Ooh, like. Pretty bad landscapes like it's super gorgeous art and a lot of big spreads um really cool and this kid is super weird creepy and does a horrible shout thing with his mouth where it's just a little too big and it's <laughs> really creepy I, I like it a lot bloodborne um i gotta play that game i also read de Gloe hole which is uh, a book by ben passmore also kind of a post-apocalypse thing but like there's like a mad max character who's like just just looking for food um he doesn't like like apple pie though. Just like he's got these weird things. He kills people. It's it's super silly and like funny and just got this crazy art style. Kind of reminds you like Carl Kyle Starks uh, or Andrew McLean. Um, but it was pretty good and weird and just bonkers post apocalypse pervy Ashton weird stuff. It was it was great. Uh, Rogan Gamut finished this week and it was great. Um, gosh, I hope uh, hope. I want to see more from Kelly Thompson. I like her stuff a lot, and Rogan Gambit are great people. I'm glad they're happy again. Go <laughs> uh, Go Power Rangers is um, getting a little bogged down by the whole Shattered Grid event, which I think is a very event-style event, which I'm not super into, but it still hits some really good emotional beats. That is why I'm reading this particular comic. Brayden. Is that our theme song? Yeah. Braden, can you tell me what what happens at the end of Rogue and Gambit? Spoilers for everybody. Uh, they they kiss and make up. So they're back together as a couple. <clears throat> it seems like it. Yeah, they seem pretty pretty into it. Marvel um, said you're gonna marry Batman and Superman. Fuck you! All the X Men are marrying each other. Yeah, they get all their like traumatic and like negative memories like kind of erased, but they like lose some of their power in that kind of erasing. 
but by the end, they very traumatically get them all back, and it kind of uh, is a nice way for them to like value the like even like the bad members have like value in a relationship, and huh. it was. It was really, it was cool. And then how was Mirror Broken? Uh, Mirror Broken was cool. There was a point where uh, they were inspecting a station. Uh, Worf was on it, and they were looking for stuff suspicious. And like, hey, is that the guy from our ship, but like with a goatee? And they're like, yeah, well, I just saw him earlier. He didn't have a goatee, though. <laughs> it's just like, that wow. was very silly. And I think uh, a great uh, way to tie the main universe into the, the goatee-verse. Uh, Roman (laughs) Jeff get me some book stuff and feel free to go over your time because I was selfish I'm making Jeff go first next time I'm sorry (laughs) I don't I I try to respect it but I just I was you should not feel bad I had notes in my phone that I realized I couldn't get to because you had my phone that I wanted to (laughs) talk about I don't usually take notes for the podcast Anyway, I'm oh, going to dang. Passion knows no buckshot time. Well, now I want a podcast where you talk about all this Hickman stuff there's, using your there's notes. There's one kind of funny thing I'll bring up later. Just a second. Okay. <laughs> all right. You are starting now. All right. Scales and Scoundrels, number nine. Um, fantasy series. I really like this book. It's a beautiful book. This particular issue, you guys could all check out. It's a good jumping on point. It's between adventures. The main character, who's, who's not quite human. This whole issue, it's beautifully done, and there's, until the very last page, there's no dialogue because most of the issue is her underwater using weights trying to find this buried treasure, and she encounters this underwater creature, but they're underwater, so they can't speak. It's all just visual, gesturing, it's gorgeous. Um, Red Sonia, Tarzan number one by Gail Simone. I didn't expect, I didn't know what to expect with this. This was really good. I'm surprised. But Gail Simone, great writer. Haven't figured out, hasn't been revealed yet how Red Sonia and Tarzan actually meet since they're in different time periods. <laughs> but uh, it was a fun book. Tarzan's, they're both really in character. Um, there's an evil hunter dude, of course, that pisses off Tarzan. Hunters. Come, come into me, number two. Excuse me? Exactly. Very creepy, very disturbing. Uh, all these great commentary on how, uh, how our emotions toward memories change over time depending on the new experiences about becoming the other, about getting Whoa. the perspective of, of being an other because this whole thing has come into me is all about this technology that lets you trade, trade consciousnesses with another person and be in their body and vice versa, and yet you're still also kind of connected to your own body. So you get all these perspectives whether you want them or not. It's a very interesting book. It's very body horror, David Lynchian. Dr. Star, number three, in the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. More sadness. Just sad, sad, being a superhero. Sad. <laughs> um, man, so I really like thinking of coming to me in that way. I think that Black Mask, to me, has created almost a stigma of being, like, hyper-sexualized. That's just because of grave trancers. No. <laughs> and the like, toilet liquor. No. no, like there's stuff, like there's nothing there. Um, like, I don't know. I, th- their stuff to me always is has more sex stuff in it than other companies. I think either they're not. The title is Come Into Me, and they're all these incredibly phallic penis-looking things that like drill into your neck. Yeah. And there's naked people is, on every cover. That's totally fair. I feel like covers. Black Mask just doesn't really give a shit. Like, and, I think 
This is this is hyperbole, but I think that they're fueled by cocaine and insanity, and they don't really care if they come across as overly sexual or overly weird. But a solid half of the comics from them that I'm reading is just about couriers, and there's no <laughs> sex at all. Yeah, and there's well, sorry, there's nothing really. I mean, there, there's nothing sexual. I mean, I, I guess you could say, but there's nothing overtly sexual about this. It's just body horror. Well, and I guess that's my point is that I think that they could dampen that component of their image a little bit. I just can't stop thinking of the uh, Dave Matthews song, Crash Into Me, when I see that title. Yeah, and I a- don't think of sex at all. I think about being angry at Dave Matthews, eating at Subway in high school. Crash Into <laughs> Me is a very sexual title for a song. <laughs> Crash Into Me. Ugh. Should we talk about Batman number 46? We have to before Jeff starts talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. again. <laughs> Can you relate this whole thing to S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, I'm not gonna. Braden's tired. This is this is Tom King and Tony Daniels. Oh gosh. Oh gosh, Braden <laughs> says. Wait, wait, wait. Let Braden do the whole thing. Braden's got thoughts. What? Uh, this is a this is a, a book about Batman and Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold. Batman. Bruce Wayne. Sure. Bruce Wayne. Batman. Booster Duh. Gold. Batman's never in it. <laughs> is um, is is Batman Bruce Bolster Gold? Bolster Did you read Batman? this, Jeff? Yeah. Batster Gold? Batman, Batman and Catwoman are getting married. Uh, Booster Gold needs to get them a present. Um, his gift to them, he decides, is to go back in time and save Bruce's parents from ever being killed so Bruce can have this super nice life or something. And then Because he could, what could possibly go wrong, right? you fucking dick? Because it worked for Superman's uh, birthday. <laughs> and so... Because his his whole idea is that like he'll show them like he'll realize how great he is for like for being Batman and he'll it's this great gift to see what he like what value he is and stuff. It doesn't go as planned. Um, he explains all this to Bruce, who then breaks his time machine and tells him to get the heck out of his house. Not just his time machine, Skeets. Skeets, yeah, his, his, his only friend from the future. Yeah, and so it seems. So Booster Gold's been stranded here for a while since then, and uh, long enough to grow a beard at least. And he is, uh, he's <laughs> desperately trying to fix this situation. In he's kind of losing his shit. Yeah, and it's yeah. pretty fun to watch because he still has this that confidence. This is a year later than the last year. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, he's, <laughs> he's got a beard. He is fucking unraveling. Mm-hmm. And his, his uh, after a whole year of whatever he's been trying to do, he's, he realized, like, okay, I'll, I'll go find Catwoman. And... Well, I'll arrange a cute meet, and they'll they'll see each other, and they'll fall in love again, and they'll, like I don't know how that's going to get the, the timeline back Except, on track, but but it's, Catwoman it's, is book crazy, yeah, no, like, and it's perfect because Booster is this egocentric, like doesn't think anything through, and he's had a year to think this through, and he's got a terrible plan, <laughs> and he's very confident in it. It's yeah. It's a wonderful characterization of Booster Gold, I think. Yeah, I think this is my favorite I've ever seen him written. Um, just so gloriously, like, wrong and... Glorious. Just, <laughs> but so confident. It's it's so super silly. We first see Catwoman, he, it, like, it breaks her out of jail, and she does the whole meow thing. I'm like, oh, here we go again well, with wait, Tom. No. And then, all she can say is meow. <laughs> that's all yeah. she does the whole <laughs> Different shoot. inflections. Because she's, something's going on with her, and she's she's trying to kill people. And she, Booster, like, he, he translates her meows into whatever he wants. he wants it to be. Yeah. So for me, I have the most common way that I've heard that Justice League International run described is, quote, it's vaudeville. 
That's how I always hear it described. It is. Actually, I think so, they say that it is in the comics. So <laughs> is this. This is a yeah. comedy of errors <clears throat> to the point where we end and Bruce Wayne has inadvertently murdered both of his parents and Catwoman now. <laughs> and probably Alfred. And dead? like, wow, we are laughing at that. Uh, the end of it is basically Reservoir Dogs, where just everybody <laughs> kills everybody yeah. else. But I mean, it's the same shot from his childhood of him laying on his knees with his parents oh, dead next to him. Oh, I didn't yeah. catch yeah, that. Yeah, the pearls are there even too. It's But um, he's got Booster behind him and Catwoman in front mm-hmm. of him. It's, it's great, and we're all laughing at it because it's hilarious because we know, like, this isn't it's gonna get fixed, like yeah. By issue fifty, we got four issues, and like, and Tom Geeks knows that, so he's just going crazy with it, like fuck it. So I thought this was gonna be a two issue storyline. Uh-huh. I was, I was, I don't know why I invented that, but I knew that this was gonna be a two issue storyline. So when we were closing in on the end here, and I realized shit's just gonna keep going wrong, I was pretty excited to keep reading this. Mm. Because okay. So the other thing is, Booster has almost a full page talking about how bad he is at sewing. Yeah. <laughs> so that Cut to. <laughs> he can set up the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman mm-hmm. outfit. This is, this is her from the Batman hey, trailer. Roman, right? Django, you know why I know that? Is because when I turned five, all I wanted for my birthday was a Catwoman costume and a Catwoman-themed birthday. So my dad made me a beanbag toss with Michelle Pfeiffer drawn on it. And all of my birthday parties, like all of the favors were Catwoman-themed. And they bought me that Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer costume. And I wore it around town exclusively for like four months. And there is an amazing series of photographs of young, like four-year-old Jeff wearing exclusively a Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer costume. And that's how I know what a garter belt is. Or no, a bustier. That's how I know what a bustier is. Is because there was this weird waist piece that you had to tie around yourself. And, like, it is fucking good. I will get you a picture of me in that costume. Oh, can you put them in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, I'll find it, man. I'll find it. Oh, um, so yeah, I know that you shot. Still fit in it? <laughs> and, this, and, this, and this was all in cold, which makes it even better. You know what? Is it's it's so early oh, in my God. life that the most of my memories are just the costume <sighs> so tattered that you can't wear it anymore. Like it was worn so often that I couldn't fit into it anymore. That full page spread though. That is that is Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. I'm just gonna wrap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I need those pictures. Yeah, I've got them. <laughs> I need them for bed. I've got them. Yeah, yeah I can replace them. my Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman poster <laughs> I had in college. This art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. The, the colors... <laughs> the, the colors are great. Tony Daniels is an amazing <laughs> artist when he's not drawing or writing the book. Yeah, they shouldn't let him write. Yeah. They should keep I, his that, hands chained yes, to the pen. Yes, That's just draw nice. stuff. I... I got nothing else. Yeah. It's it's just good. I love that uh, she cuts uh, Catwoman. Catwoman chops Dick Grayson Batman. Dick Grayson Batman's fingers off in this. And then she kills Alfred. Luckily for him, he's got two hands, though, so he's still got one more gun. Yeah. And uh, where is he at the end of this? Is he dead also? Um, I don't know if he died. They don't show him. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bruce shoots him in the eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bruce shoots him. Bruce kills. Everyone. This was my Batman. only uh, complaint about uh, this issue was that final fight scene. I it was a little hard. I wanted to see more of everybody, but I it almost 
kind of just everybody all tumbling together. With I a almost cloud of feel like it was supposed to be chaos until you look at this final image of everyone dead yeah. on the floor. But you're right. I was like, is he getting shot in the head? What's going on here? He's in the stomach. <clears throat> Bam. Oh, we're all dead. I would have liked to see like a full uh, body of Dick Grayson Batman, but he we never see his full. Like I don't think that's a mistake. Like, that's. That's on, that's got to be on purpose by Tom King. Do yeah. you guys have any leads on how we're going to get out of this thing? Well, uh, Booster some, can't be dead. Someone else has got a time machine. Booster's just stunned. Like a different Booster gold. No, shows Booster. Up? He he fucking opens his eye at the end of this issue and says some snarky stuff. Does he? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh yeah. Oh wow! I just yeah that is the narrative. because he sees he thinks he's a hero. Yeah, because yeah, his he suit it. and he's got a force field. <clears throat> did did I Rip th- Hunter's got to save him? Oh, that's true. And I was wondering when when Dick Grayson Batman shoots Catwoman again, does he miss her and hit Martha, or does the bullet go through Catwoman and end up in Martha? <laughs> Martha? Yeah. Martha. My <laughs> mom's name is Martha. Bruce Wayne's mom. <laughs> Your mom's name is Kyle. Mm-hmm. I. <sighs> I mean, it doesn't matter, but if it did, that uh, that's kind of that's a, just a little extra touch of tragedy. He's just so good. So. Here's here's a question. Yeah, they got to get out of this next issue, right? Sure. Because forty eight. That's the constraint. Forty eight is yeah. the next big one. That's when they right? said that so, that follows up in the DC zero. Thing. So, this has to be a three part story. The gift. They got to get everything reset back to where it was, right? Booster's going to actually have to go back and kill Bruce's parents, either personally or by proxy. Oh my god, are we going to find out that Booster Gold is the person who oh, killed no. Bruce's parents? I really hope not. All that he has to do bad. is stop himself from stopping Joe Chill okay. or whoever the fuck killed him this time. It would be very good if he went back and he was like, I gotta kill your parents. Okay, but even <laughs> it's if he... Vaudeville. Yeah. Booster Chill. <laughs> even, if he, <laughs> even if he doesn't, this happened to Booster. Mm-hmm. Booster did this. Booster spent an entire year insane in the future Knowing that he ruined everything. And Batman spent decades in an eternity place with Wonder Woman fighting off the evil hordes. Right. And 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 maybe that's the whole point of Tom King's series is these characters are doing things that affect them in the long run. Like they're they're spending more time than we realize doing things. But how does Booster deal with this later? <laughs> Oh, God, you guys, thanks so much for showing up and being here and letting me talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> nine. Not S.H.I.E.L.D., I haven't read that. Batman gets a nine. Batman gets an 8.5 for me. Uh, 8.5 as well, I think. Yeah, nine for me, too. Jay, I wish you were into this. Jay, why aren't you into this? What the, f- what the yeah. goosh? That's the, goosh town. That's his, that's not a word. Goosh Town? Goosh Town is not a yeah, word. Yeah, man. Well, you're not in the Two reality world. I just Jeff. went back in time and killed my family and created the term Goosh Town. You're right. Yeah. Is you're it hyphenated? Right. It's not hyphenated. Okay. Well, it's two words then. It's apostrophicated. It's a, well, it's one big-ass word. Goosh Town. Oh, there's no space. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Come on. I get it. Okay. Sorry. Not all words are compound words, Roman. Jesus. The best ones are. He's right. <laughs> the strongest ones are. <laughs> <laughs> Red Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody let us go home. All right, I'm Django, and I... God, if I was a Justice League character from the Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMattius <laughs> universe, I would be Booster Gold. 
No, you fuck it. Okay, sure, your outro. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be looking before I left, and I'd be making fart jokes the whole time. Yeah, never mind. That's, I was going to say you'd be closer to Batman. I wish I was plenty like Batman. I was just thinking like dark and brooding and stuff. I'm Django, and if I was a in Jeff's Justice League character in Jeff's alternate universe by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMattius, I would probably be Martian Manhunter because he likes Oreos, and so do I. Both of them. Huh, I'm Roman, and if I was, I don't know about Jeff's, but if I was in the Giffen DeMattius Justice League, I would, God, I'd probably be, I'd probably be Blue Beetle, you know, sitting on the couch and eating a lot of chips. Future Blue Beetle and, 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 and lusting over every single female character in the Justice League. Um, That's pretty pretty true to life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brayden, and if Django was Booster Gold, then I would be Skeets. Oh, oh. that's the cutest thing you've ever said to me. I seriously love that. And <laughs> I'm Jeff, Jeff which know. just means I'm God. <laughs> Whoa. Maxwell Lord. Wait, you're Manga Con? <laughs> A lot of good stuff coming out of that comment. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was me, Booster Farts. <laughs>